Welcome to In the Elements. Becky DePodwin. And I'm Dakota Smith. Welcome to another edition of In the Elements, where we're talking about science through the human lens. In this episode, we're wrapping up our series on meteorologists and their element. Throughout this series, we talked with meteorologists from all sectors about a variety of topics. Our final three episodes focused on hosts of weather podcasts and what got them hooked to weather and to podcasting. To wrap it all up today, we're joined by Mark Jelinek of What Is It About the Weather and Castle Williams of Weather Hype. So let's dive right into it. First up, let's hear from Castle. I kind of have a kind of a different background um, per se than some meteorologists. Um, I have what I kind of consider as two pivotal moments kind of that I think back to in my life that kind of have led me to where I am today in the weather community. Um, And the first one being uh, an EF1 tornado that went through my hometown in May 1st of 2002. And I was like 12 years old, I think. Um, And so that was right when school was about to end. Um, so it was kind of a late night tornado. So it was about four 30 in the morning, I think is when it actually went through. But when I woke up, I, I had no clue that it had actually gone through. So it was interesting to kind of wake up to this kind of idea of weather had occurred or some, some sort, something had gone through. Um, and I remember like branches and stuff being in our home, um, are around our home, but nothing like super big had impacted our area or our neighborhood. But some of our neighbors had come across the street and were like, oh, we heard that the downtown area had hit, had been hit really badly. Um, and my mom at the time had a personal training business that was downtown um, in Calhoun, my hometown. Um, and so we kind of ventured out in order to see if there was some like if there was damage to her to her business um and when we got just driving through the whole town it was just i was just in awe it was just so much shock to see like buildings completely collapsed uh trees down roofs ripped off um and that was kind of my first kind of run in with the weather um um and it's interesting because it wasn't me necessarily experiencing the weather but it was me seeing the impact of it um and i think that's really what i took away from it was wow like mother nature is so incredibly powerful like this is what happened um and this impact is kind of what what resonated with me and what kind of stood with me throughout the rest of my life after that day i was extremely fearful of weather um to the point of like being in absolute shock and not able to move or anything um, whenever any type of weather went through. So it was kind of, kind of bad. Especially this, the part, I don't, I don't think you said this, but in your notes, you say there was a brick building where students would have been sheltered had there been a, a tornado and that building was gone. Like that's sobering. Cause this is the place that you're supposed to be safe. 
my mom, she worked across the street from the school. And so um, in our school, there was this huge brick gym. And that's where we always like every time we had a tornado drill or anything, all the students would go into this brick gym. During the aftermath, we drove over there because we saw lots of people crowded around the gym. And it was just completely gone. Like the bricks were just strewn everywhere. And for it was like the talk of the town that like, we're so glad that it was during the middle of the night, like the tornado was during the middle of the night. And that's something we never hear. We never hear like, oh, thank goodness it was in the middle of the night. Um, But if we would have all been in that building, we would have been completely, I don't even know, we would have been gone um, because it would have collapsed on us. And so uh, my mom told me this story. I don't really remember it, but she I was asking her about the tornado the other day um, in preparation for this interview. And she said, yeah, you were kind of in shock when you saw the, um, the gym and you asked me if I could, if, if, if you could go up and get a brick um, from the building to take with you. And she said, I always thought that was such a strange thing for you to do because it's just not something that you normally would do. And I actually still have the brick to this day in my, my room at home. It's just kind of like this artifact of like, just seeing all like the devastation that that actually happened and it just really stuck with me and it's it's both figuratively and literally still with me which is just kind of a very interesting to take away that's a that's a really potent reminder of a traumatic experience that's really helped to kind of drive who you are today that's powerful it's i like the the symbolism of that um I, how old were you again when that happened? I was 12. So I was, since I, my birthday's in October, I started like all of school a year late. So I was 12, but I was in fifth grade. It was like the end of fifth grade. Um, and so that was our gym. That was like the the middle school or like the elementary school gym, which was like third through fifth grade. So it was more personal because it was like our, like our property or like my space has been invaded or like devastated. So then what was the kind of second thing that really helped to to hone your focus within meteorology? I was a junior in college um, getting my undergraduate degree in geography and atmospheric science at the University of Georgia. So as you can imagine, this moment stuck with me, the tornado moment stuck with me and kind of fueled my passion for meteorology. But when I was a junior in college, I um, there was a scheduling conflict um, that kind of happened. I was supposed to take physics um, a year earlier and I didn't realize it in order to be able to go to like thermodynamics and atmospheric physics. I needed to have that background before I could get into those courses and I didn't uh, I didn't have it and my my advisor didn't catch it and I didn't catch it. And so it was kind of this like sobering moment of like you're not going to be able to do these courses until the year after because I had to go back and actually do the physics and stuff in order to be, be able to go into those courses. I was told that I would have to stay an extra year in order to complete my degree. And so it was, it was another devastating moment because it's something that I was working so much toward and thought I had such a handle on. And then to be just kind of to walk in one day to someone else's to an office and someone tell you that you're going to have to wait another year in order to graduate. It was just kind of a rough moment in my life. But I kind of thought about it for a moment and uh, took a few days in order to recoup and recover from that kind of uh, announcement or that understanding of what, what was happening. And I thought back to the fear of me growing up. Why was I so interested in meteorology? Why was I 
kind of pursuing this as a passion, what was kind of fueling my fire per se. And I constantly went back to my fear. The fear of weather was the whole reason for me doing this. I wanted to figure out how the atmosphere worked. I wanted to figure out what was actually fueling these weather events in order to make myself less afraid of what was going on. And so that kind of led me back to psychology. Um, Psychology is kind of a reason it helps kind of understand phobias and kind of helps connect the dots as a way of like, what are these things that are, um, what are my fears telling me and what is the weather kind of doing and how are these two interacting? And so I had the crazy idea to pursue, pursue an additional degree in psychology because one, I'd already, I'd always been interested in it. Um, and two, like really that fear is what was driving me. So Um, I chose to actually go and do a whole nother degree in one year, which seemed a little crazy at the time. Um, (laughs) but it, but it was like the best thing. And I, I always go back to this moment in my life that it was the the best decision I ever made because it really opened up my, my life and my eyes to social science, um, to was is, which is the weather and society integrated studies. Um, I found the in-car societal impacts program back when, um, it used to be around and that's what really kind of made me think like, okay, this is something that I can do. This is something that's already out there. Um, it's not really taking off at the moment, but it's something that I can get behind and it's something that kind of integrates two things that I really like and I really love. And it was just kind of this aha moment that it's just too hard to really go back and diagnose or really understand because I had always been passionate about weather, but it wasn't until that moment that I realized that social science and like the impact of uh, society and how society is impacted by weather, that was my true passion within the field. And so the social science and getting this extra degree really is what kind of allowed me to continue studying this and getting further and further down the line toward what my ultimate goal is, is just to be a social scientist and to help us understand how humans are understanding, are impacted, how they interpret uh, weather information. And all this stuff really just kind of fell into place once I kind of started pursuing my psychology degree. That's so fascinating how this pivotal moment when you were 12 played such a, a vital yeah. part in your, your processing of this really awful news that you received. And then it's just had such a, an impact on how your life has evolved from there. That's, that's a fascinating story. Um, yeah. what do you, so how close are you to being done with school? Uh, so I have two years left in my PhD and okay. I will, um, graduate with a PhD in geography. I am kind of following a road that was paved before me. I will not take credit in any way. There are lots of other people who are kind of heralding the social science uh, area and genre before me. Um, I'm just trying to make it. uh, Maybe I'm making the path wider. I'm expanding. I'm trying to make the more lanes on the road, Um, just trying to make it more accessible and make it more. Uh, to highlight it kind of in our community and really kind of bring it out as something that's here to stay. And I want it to stay and to thrive. That's yeah, that's fantastic. We, it's been exciting to see, you know, I've been in the field for about seven or eight years and it's been really exciting to see this slow shift towards focusing on social science and the messaging. Um, yeah. So I'm interested as we talk to, to more podcast host because obviously you're a podcast host because you like talking about the weather <laughs> to see how yeah. 
how their paths have also kind of shaped um, yeah. what their focus is. You know, like Dakota and I and Min, we all have this need to to tell these stories, to talk to people about the weather, to share this information. So there's there's something there. There's some trigger for all of us, you know, probably back when we were kids that's, that's shaped us in this way. We say all the time that uh, meteorologists ha- have gone through things. They've gone through uh, different career points in their life, but we never talk about it or we never have any documentation of what the challenges were or what the difficulties were um, in going through different avenues or paths or roadblocks in their careers. And so I think this is just a great way to kind of start that conversation and maybe even start cataloging different ways that people are interested in the weather and how they've kind of progressed through their career. So I applaud it greatly. I think it's a fantastic idea. further ado i'd love to hear your story of how you became the meteorologist that you are today my started weather while i had an interest as a child I, you know i think we all have these stories that we look back to times maybe in our youth or certainly before we got into the profession that kind of sparked that moment or our, our interest in the weather and i certainly had that we had a big ice storm uh, my family moved into the atlanta georgia area when i was around five. And the following winter, winter of 73, no, 72, 73, we had this this event that started as rain. I didn't get the big deal, but the next morning I got up and, you know, during the night we had been moved downstairs and you could hear this, these crashing sounds and snapping sounds outside. And, but everything seemed okay. And everybody in my family, I was the youngest, so everybody seemed okay. But we got up the next morning and went outside, and it was just a whole different world. And it wasn't a snow event. It was a huge ice storm, and it crippled Atlanta. But from the perspective of a young child, it was this winter wonderland, which I had never experienced. Uh, I was born in Nashville, and while you know maybe there had been some snow events when I had been younger, nothing had really captured my imagination yet. So that was probably the first event that really stood out. And was different and unique for me and kind of started my connection, if you will, was seeing this, you know, sort of winter wonderland that you'd only see in, you know, a TV sort of scenario most of the time, uh, but not, not a big snow event, but, but a big ice storm. So that would be the first of, of many, but in the South, that was kind of what continued to capture me was more the winter side of things because the events were so rare and unusual. That would be my fascination for many years. However, being that I was the time and when it was, you know, we didn't have the weather channel on TV yet, at least in, in those days, it would, it would come around when I was, you know, moving along through middle and high school. But while I had an aptitude in math and science, I guess I didn't find the fascination in chasing the science, if you will. And while I love the weather and would continue to love the weather, particularly winter weather type scenarios, I decided to go towards a different direction. You know, it was also the time when personal computers were becoming a mainstay in homes and technology really fascinated me. So I went in that direction instead. So I would go off and, and study the world of technology. And, you know, looking back at it, I think one of the things I've always really enjoyed, even in, in my career today is where problem solving can occur, where we can use now, you know, I, I focus on the weather data 
or the weather forecast element and trying to help the decisions we make and the things that we do. But in that point in time, weather forecasts were still kind of new and they weren't used, you know, a lot in the decision making process. There were certainly cases of it. So I went and focused on what to me at the time was very much on the cutting edge of problem solving, and that was technology and computers and whatnot. And that's, uh, at least in part, what you discuss in your podcast. Um, one of the episodes that I listened to this morning talked about the communication of it. Um, and that's a really fascinating take. How did you kind of become, how did you become interested in podcasting? You know, it's it's interesting. So in grad school, uh, I, my timing was right, I guess. I, I got to grad school in, in being, you know, not the young guy in grad school. I, you know, I was around all these younger folks who had iPods and not necessarily even Apple devices, but, you know, a lot of people with MP3 players or, or anything that they could carry around that was no longer a Sony Walkman. You know, we'd made that jump to newer technologies, but podcasts were a part of that, right? So a lot of people were starting to listen to podcasts. There weren't a lot of them in that day, certainly, but early. So in 2007, 2008, I got to where I became a regular listener of podcast. But back then, it still seemed kind of a distant thing, if you will. I didn't have you know, a, an appreciation of what, what it would take to create a podcast, and I never really thought about it. But as I got to become a regular listener of a few podcasts and seeing how they were producing these things, as we've been able to do it more and more with things you know, like YouTube and other technologies where you can interact and engage with the the creators of podcasts, I started to realize they weren't doing anything out of the ordinary. They were taking a regular computer for the most part and a microphone that seemed to plug in without too much technology involved and do a recording. And, you know, you got to get a sense of, you know, how they made mistakes and how they went through their process of pushing something out the door so that the whole world could absorb it. And during that time, however, my schedule was such that Work just didn't allow me a lot of time to even think about the idea. But I had the opportunity in 2016, as I started making some changes in things I was doing, to say, hey, maybe this is worth, again, it was kind of like going back to grad school, worth, we're trying out. I mean, it was, a, it was a new medium for me. You know, so many of our peers are out there broadcasting all the time, right? But it was something that wasn't what was part of my career in meteorology up to that point. And, and again, I was able to draw on some of my efforts prior to getting into meteorology with public speaking and, and being out in front of audiences and kind of draw on that to say, hey, can I make that part of what I want to do with, I guess, the longer term picture of, of my career in meteorology, which is take the opportunity again to look at this information, but leverage this different medium and this different approach to reaching an audience that maybe is not what a traditional broadcast meteorologist would do, but still have an opportunity to connect with people that I wouldn't ordinarily do during my standard meteorology work, you know, where I might be working with people paying me to do something. This gave me an opportunity to reach a new audience and, and share thoughts and ideas again about how can we look at these relationships that we see between weather and other aspects of our lives and try to advance both my knowledge, I mean, that's part of one of the great things that I've, I've really enjoyed about podcasting is every episode I create is also an opportunity for me to investigate a topic and to increase my depth of knowledge so that I can turn around and present that information in a way that hopefully the audience en enjoys and gets something out of. On the title, I love the title. What is it about the weather? I think it's, I think it's perfect. I think it sums up a lot. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, and, and that's the thing. I mean, it, it's weather, 
whether at its core has always been this basic fundamental communication tool. And I've, I've actually been pondering the idea of, of an episode on the idea of whether, I mean, when you think about it, whether is kind of the universal language. So when you, it, you can imagine this as people were going around the globe hundreds of years ago, and we didn't have all these f- fancy communication tools today, you would get somewhere and let's say you got to an island in the middle of the Pacific ocean and you're a traveler and you're trying to learn to communicate in that language. And you know, you look at something and you point at it and it might look like a tree and you say tree, but maybe it's a special tree to them and they call it that, right? So they have some name for it. And you walk around thinking that, you know, every one of them's called Ubala or whatever it might be. And you go and you point to the next one and you say Ubala and they're looking at you like you're crazy. But because the transient nature of weather, whether it's unlikely that they're going to have as much of a distinctive name for rain falling out of the sky, it's just going to be rain. And so, you know, I, I think it's always been sort of that bridge of not only is it a way for us to have common elements to identify to with complete strangers, but even in our common language, it becomes this thing because usually it's not amplified in some way. You know, you don't have politics necessarily attached to weather. You don't have, you know, uh, economic challenges attached to weather. It's it's kind of this thing that's out of our control, generally speaking. And so people can communicate and use it as this baseline that's not going to have the same sensation that other things that might have a charge to them or might come with undertones that we don't quite understand. Now, of course, there are exceptions to that. When a hurricane blows through an area, it's going to have a, a different meaning to folks. But But generally speaking, it's a baseline because it's something somewhat out of our control. Yet it's something we all can experience collectively, even if we're not familiar with those individuals. Absolutely. It, it's, yeah, like you said, it's the thing that, that connects all of us. It's the small talk, which makes it difficult to be a meteorologist at times. <laughs> it does. It does. That's for sure. Um, how do you think weather podcasts in particular can help change how meteorologists are perceived by the public? Do you, I mean, do you think we have an audience and a reach outside of the weather nerd community? Um, It's an interesting question. I I do. And I say that speaking from my audience, I I look at my audience and, and knowing that I talk to and reach people that have in a broad sense, they, you know, somewhere they had to look up the word weather, right? It's unlikely that they went and did a search on, you know, history of the world and came into my podcast, although you know, I've done some episodes where I touch on history. So there's an outside chance I got them that way. But I do think that more and more people are trying to understand you know, elements of their lives that maybe in the past they didn't. And it's because these platforms are available so they can go pick a random topic that maybe they thought they had an interest in. But in the past, it was always too sciencey. And I think one of the benefits we have is our platform in, in terms of podcasting provides an excellent opportunity to go on topics that maybe take a little longer. You know, broadcast meteorology has minutes, right? And, you know, yes, they're slow days and they can cover things on slow days, but a lot of times on slow days, people aren't necessarily watching either. They're watching during those high profile events and during those high profile events, they're very focused on making sure people are safe or, you know, are able to act and make decisions. Whereas when, with weather podcasting, we have an opportunity to educate, we can educate on the science, but we can also educate on the impacts and educate, you know, last year, all these podcasts or a great deal of us became weather ready nation ambassadors. And I did some work actually at the, 
American Meteorological Society, I presented a survey I'd done related to that, kind of trying to understand how the different podcasts are using that relationship and how their listeners are understanding that relationship. But one of the feedbacks I got that, you know, I was reminded of again and again is podcast. We have this benefit that what we've created is infinitely available. So it's available to people at any time they want to listen to it, but it's also available for them to go back and listen to a second or a third time if it's a topic of high interest. And I do think that's where we have an opportunity to maybe branch out in ways we haven't thought about before is it, it provides this window of communication that wasn't available in terms of deeper exploration of topics or, you know, I don't want to use the word dumbing down, but, but expanding the conversation around the topic such that a broader audience can appreciate what it is that we're trying to communicate. And again, they can listen to it, you know, whether it's in their car, but if they say, Hey, this was really interesting. I want to have someone else in my family, listen to it, or I'm going to listen to it again. They can pick it up a day from now, a week from now, or six months down the road. And, and enjoy that same content again without being in fear. And this is what happens a lot of times even still when, when broadcast folks are able to do a video or something and talk about a topic, the repository isn't always there easily retrievable like it is with podcasts and the way that the whole podcast distribution system has been developed. I, I think that covers in, in you know in a broad spectrum kind of the things that both brought me to it and why I find it an intriguing uh, time and opportunity for myself and the rest of us who have gotten in this field. So, no, I think that's a that's a good summary of of things, all things about the weather and uh, why we do the things that we do. So, yeah, that's it for this episode of In the Elements. We're actually going to go on a brief hiatus. We didn't realize it going into it, but the meteorologist in their element series was our first season and we'll be back in the summer with season two becky how does that sound i think that sounds like a really good idea i'm really happy with how the meteorologist in their element season turned out i think we had a lot of good topics and good episodes but i'm excited to switch gears completely for season two we're not entirely sure what our series is going to focus on but it'll be a complete 180 we cannot wait to share more of your stories but for now we'll be going on a break so if you're looking for something to listen to in the meantime check out any of our first 10 episodes if you haven't already you can find them in your feed you're listening to now or on theweatherjunkies.com Huge thanks to Castle and Mark for coming on the show. And be sure to check out their podcasts, What Is It About the Weather and Weather Hype. If you want to join them in sharing something unique, whether you were caught in a storm or had an odd experience in nature, we would love to talk with you. To start that conversation, shoot us an email at inthealementspod at gmail.com or a tweet at elementspod on Twitter. For myself and Dakota, thank you for joining us in the elements. Yes, science!